you for listening to this message from the North Northgate. I'm excited. Um, today, as I was studying, guys, um, I started, we've had two weeks now where we've been in worship, and the Lord said he wants to carry us. So I started venturing into Mephibosheth again. And I was, I was, I thought I was going to preach on Mephibosheth tonight, but the Lord wants me to finish this. I'm going to preach on Mephibosheth next week. And I found so much revelation about the legacy of a father in the story of Mephibosheth that is perfect for this house right now. And so I'm, I'm trying not to leak. I'm, I'm stirred. I want to preach on it tonight, but I'm not going to. The Lord said, you save it for next Saturday night. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of James. And uh, before we get into the book of James, um, we're going to go jump right in to where Apostle um, literally came to us. And we're in this thing of hope for the unseen. And uh, in that, it takes us right to Isaiah 62. And um, I'm going to check my clock. I'm going to tell you why I'm going to check my clock. It's 730. I'm going to get out of here before 830. Call me a liar. Call me a liar. Call me a liar. Call me a liar. Call me a <laughs> Why am I getting out of here at 8.30? Because I want Mexican tonight. I'm sick of Applebee's and I'm sick of, I want to go to Donnie P's. Or I'm going to go somewhere good. L Camps. BB's over there. Amigos. So, listen, the more you amen me and the more you're engaged, we're going to get out of here and go get Mexican food. <laughs> oh. so for those of you that weren't with us last week or you just have kind of forgot I came up here and, and this is what started the hope for the unseen I came up here and began to pray over the over the property and as I began to walk around the property and begin to pray and ask God to give us this land and some of you have you sent the survey out yet this week, you're going to be getting a survey that the city of Streetsboro has sent out that is about this land. Crazy. Crazy. And I love that they call it the master plan for the city because the master has a plan for this piece of property that also involves the woods that are over here untouched where we believe an amphitheater is going to be put so that worship and so the songbirds can come from the region and begin to sing. I don't want you to think just the fish and you know 95.5 and that's all we're going to have over there. No man, I want to hear the sound of creativity over this region and then also like a walk park that's over here by Huntington Bank all the things that we've been dreaming about and talking about are in this master plan. Also with the restaurants and the retail and all that kind of stuff. And they're asking the people what they want. They're asking the people to dream for this piece of land. The problem is they have not had anybody to partner with them that owns this property to make this the centerpiece of the city. And when we own this property, we are going to partner with the mayor of this city and we are going to begin to dream for a downtown district as Hephzibah begins to speak and Beulah begins to cry out over the land. And so in that... This is what we're directed to do until that day begins to come where the builder's sons marry the land and we begin to create Zion right here in Streetsboro, Ohio. But in the meantime, this is what the word of the Lord is for us. The word of the Lord is Isaiah 62. And so in that, we have to realize that we're in a new day. God is calling for you to become a new you, but it's me first, you first, us first when apostle was here. 
So I'm praying, I didn't get ahead of myself, I'm praying last week over the land. I'm just walking in circles around this property. And I'm asking God, how do you want me to buy this? And I hear the Lord say, I want to give it to you. I want to give it to you. And in my mind, hope for the unseen, that seems impossible. How does a boy from Portage County, raised here my whole life, did not come from an, ex an extravagant home, the square footage of my mom and dad's home doesn't even reach a thousand square foot. The slab homes of Red Fox, which is not a, an extravagant area, they would call of it more a poverty area. And so in that, my dad never made anything more than $15 an hour. My mom's babysat her whole life. They've done the best that they could for us. But the greatest thing is they introduced us to Abba. The greatest thing my parents did for us is my dad showed me that when you see somebody, you treat them the same way every time you see them. You walk in love, you walk in honor, you learn how to give. I've watched my mom and dad give and give and give their whole life. I've watched them take and give to their sisters, their brothers, to other family members at time when it was even conflict. Why are we doing this? And one or the other was going, we have to give. Even when both didn't agree, somebody always had a heart in the house that we have to pay it forward. God has blessed us and we need to become a blessing to others. And so now full circle is they're watching their children walk in a prosperity that they didn't think they could ever have and they have it now too. Yeah. My parents have acquired more money now today than they've ever had in their lifetime in a place of retirement and rest and not in a place of striving. Come on. And so in that, you still look at, as a Portage County boy, how do I own or how do we own as a people a multi-million dollar piece of property, then become the dreamers and the builders of this piece of property that can become a way of life for here, for Cleveland, for Akron, for Warren, for Ravenna, yeah. for Garrettsville. There are people that are dreaming of building all over Portage County, but have been raised here their whole lives and don't know what it means to walk into millions of dollars. But God's not asking us to walk into millions of dollars. God's always asking us to have a heart of generosity. That's right. And he's also asking us to have a heart of trust. And so in that, I'm walking the property. I'm hearing Abba say, I want to give it to you. I'm also hearing him say, I need you to trust me. I'm also asking him, or he's asking me to dream with him over the land. And so I'm walking the property going, I'd like to see this here. I'd like to see this here. I'd like to see this here. And you know what I feel like I'm being? Adam in the cool of the day in the garden. I'm getting prepared to begin to build something that eye has not seen and ear has not heard in this region. And so the direction of that, apostle has a dream four days holds on to the dream for four days. And then when I get done praying over the property, I go home and my phone goes off and it's a dream of apostle literally saying this, me and you are taking the knobs and handles and doors off of every cabinet, every door, anything that has an access point in your house. We're doing it enjoyably. He said, you're looking at me kind of cross-eyed a little bit like, what are we doing this for? But I always trust the direction that a father is sending me into because he sees things different than I do. And so in that, his best interest is for me, not him. That's how every father should operate. It's not outcome for me, it's outcome for you. And so as we're doing this, I look at him and say, the question that every one of us would ask, how am I gonna get into these cabinets and these doors now? And the response back is, I've put a new technology in your whole house. 
The only way you can access things that you once used to pull open by force now will be voice and face activated because of your identity. Face to face is the technology that he has implemented in the entire family. And the more we walk in beloved identity and the more we walk in authenticity, the easier the unseen will begin to be opened that we can begin to walk in what we want to walk in. And so how do we step into this place of identity? Number one, for Zion's sake, how can I keep silent? For Jerusalem's sake, how can I remain quiet? I will keep interceding until her righteousness breaks forth like the blazing light of dawn, which is a revelation of what? New day. We can't continue to do life the way we've always done it. We cannot continue to do life as we've always done it. We have to understand new means new. Let me give you this awesome revelation. New means new. Means the way you did it yesterday isn't the way you're going to do it tomorrow. New, the dawning of a new day, new day means new. Stop doing it the old way. We called it like this inside of Kingdom Builders. Shock the water. What you're doing is not working, so shock something. Do it new. Revelation is what? New. Not doing it the way you've always done it. Okay? So understanding the dawning of the new day. And her salvation will be like a burning torch. Nations, what do we understand about nations? Nations are sons. Sons will see your victory vindication. They're not going to see your victory if you don't understand a new day. Yeah. Yeah. Let me back up. I will keep praying until her righteousness breaks forth like a blazing light of dawn, which is a new day, and her salvation like a burning torch. Sons will see your victory when you understand new. Okay? Sons will see your victory vindication and every king will witness your blinding radiance. You will be called by a brand new name. That new name is beloved. No matter what, Abba loves you. No matter what, Abba loves you. Even in the old day, he loves you and he loves you in the new day. But understand, when you step into the new, you're going to step into a newness of a crown that you didn't even realize that you had. Or should I say, like I said last week, or a robe that's been given to you by a beloved father. That was the same robe that was given to the prodigal, was the same robe that was given to Joseph's brothers. A royal robe is a royal tunic. It's yours no matter where you're at. It's up to you to receive the royalty of the love that God wants to place on you. And once he places the royal robe on you, you'll realize the inheritance never runs out. You'll realize that you could go through hell or high water. Just because you get the robe doesn't mean that you're not going to go through anything. The understanding of the robe is the understanding that you're God's favorite, whether you're in the pit, the prison, or the palace. No matter what you're going through, the new day is going to come and people are going to see your victory because Abba loves you. You will become a beautiful crown held in the hand of Almighty Yahweh, a royal crown of splendor held in the open palm of your God. You will never be again called the abandoned one, nor will your land be deserted. But you will be called my delight is in you, Hephzibah, and your land, my beloved wife, which is Beulah. For Yahweh finds his delight in you, and he marries your land. As a young man marries the woman he loves, so your builder sons will marry you. 
and the bridegroom finds joy in his union with his bride. So your God will take joy in his union with you. Understand this, God wants to have an adventure with you. So in Genesis 37, we have this beautiful picture of you being the son, Joseph, the dreamer, and then Abba being Jacob. And we see this beautiful dream that no matter where he's at, no matter what he's doing, God wants to show favor to him. Now, the problem is we understand hierarchy. We understand what it means to strive. We understand what it means. Here's what I'm going to tell you about the kingdom, about understanding Hephzibah. The more you come into the revelation of God's delight is in you, and the more that you come into the revelation that you're the beloved by God, the more we start listening to the first shall be last and the last shall be first, and we start understanding that you're above and not beneath, and all these little tags that we used in prosperity. Here's the revelation that I come up with. You're supposed to be successful in every area of influence that you're in. The moment you figured out through the lens of love and you stop complaining about your environment, Joseph had the opportunity to complain about the pit, the prison, and the palace. But he didn't understand hierarchyism. You want to know why? Because he was the last born. He was the last born of a prophecy that would shift the entire earth. And instead of him jockeying for position out of the womb of Leah, which is blurred vision, he was birthed out of the beloved identity of a Rachel that he was loved and favored and I'll wait for you, I'll work double for you, I'll do whatever it takes to be connected to you. And when Joseph is birthed out of Rachel, understand this, Jacob, the prophecy of the nations, Israel, puts a blanket of a tunic of a coat of many colors of royalty. The tunic was not the coat of many colors like Dolly Parton sings. It was the royalty of a Pharaoh. It was the royalty of a Melchizedek. It was a royalty of every king that was ever written in the Bible. But he wasn't a king, but he had a prophecy to be the nation of the earth. So he was a king. And so in that, he passes the legacy of royalty off to his son and he puts a royal blanket on him to give him identity in beloved identity. He gives him an identity in that sonship that this boy realized how loved he is by the father that he starts dreaming dreams that nobody could begin to grab. Everybody in here has dreams that you could tell somebody that says, I love you. Quit, listen, quit with the, don't tell, listen, don't tell your dreams to just whoever, but you should be able to tell dreams to people that look at you and say, I love you. He went to his brothers and said, I had a dream. I had a dream that we were all bundles of sheaves, which is worth thousands, if not millions of dollars in those days, depending on how many sheaves they were. But if you had sheaves, they were worth something. So in the dream, because they had a hierarchy mentality, which we are bathed in hierarchy. We are bathed in popularity. We are bathed in running away from our authenticity and wanting to look like everybody else because they seem like they have a coat and I don't have a coat. But the more you feel like you're loved, that coat was all about love. 
That coat was all about favor. And if the father gave Joseph a coat, then God has a coat for you. That's why through the scriptures, we see that Joseph has a coat. His brothers end up getting coats. The coat that was on Joseph is the same coat that was given to the prodigal son when he came home. And religion tells us that he splendored all of his inheritance. No, he didn't. Because when he came back, he got a tunic, he got a fatted calf, and he got a ring. Guess what Joseph got with Pharaoh? He got a robe and a ring. Come on. We've got to learn to celebrate instead of being intimidated. We have got to learn to celebrate and start of being intimidated. Somebody gets used to do something, celebrate it. If somebody's doing something that you want to do, celebrate it. Honor it. Talk good about it. Don't be in competition with it. We should not be in competition with anybody in the church. We shouldn't be in competition with anybody in the kingdom. We shouldn't be in competition with anybody in our city. Because it rains on the just and the unjust. If somebody that was full of filth walked out in the rain and somebody who thought they were righteous walked in the rain, the rain happens to the just and the unjust. Because reaping and sowing is a principle of the kingdom. And if you walk in any kind of generosity and have skeletons in your closet, generosity is going to slow prosperity to you. So quit looking at this thing from a competitive nature. The coat that was given to Joseph so that he had the ability to dream, watch, for the unseen. Little brother. Hey, I had a dream about you. Dude, you guys were bowing down to me in the dream. Well, that's never going to happen. Why can't it? Because in my infancy, you don't know what I'm going to become. If you don't pray for me, and you don't honor me, you don't know what I'm going to become. If you don't pray for me, and you don't honor me, you don't know what I'm going to become. You can't have an opinion about me unless you're praying for me and honoring me. You don't know what I'm going to become. The Bible said, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Here's little Joseph going out to all of his masculine brothers who are farmers, who are agricultural, who work with their hands, who do all of these amazing things. Hey guys, I had a dream about you. Look at his coat. They were more focused on his favor than the ability that he was a brother. They were more focused on his favor than the fact that he was a brother. They were more focused on the favor that he had and they didn't have than realizing he is my brother. So the question is when you get all inside about a brother, are you more focused on their favor or the fact that you're your family? What are we focused on? What are we focused on? The hierarchy teaching that we are taught. It, it's like I had to explain something to a little boy that was playing baseball. He's my last hitter, but he has an incredibly high on-base percentage, but he doesn't have an incredibly high batting average. So I'll just say it like this. I'll just be open with it. T-bone is batting, which is stupid, 918. He's batting 918, which is dumb. Like good is like six to five hundred literally dummy over here is batting nine eighteen. I didn't mean to call you dummy. He's doing incredible. So in that, he's my leadoff hitter. That's pretty daggone good, isn't it, Bill? 
That means no matter what, this is what I see about Tyler. Tyler takes a lot of pitches. Tyler's going to get on base. He's going to put the bat on base. Watch. Tyler's going to take a lot of pitches. Why is it important that Tyler takes a lot of pitches? Because you got to understand the details of Little League Baseball. Kids are on a pitch count. So in that, the more pitches he's got to throw to the first two batters puts him in a hole going into the second inning because of all the balls he throws. Now, one little boy goes, I get on base a lot too. I understand that. But we need you to be the last batter. The last batter and the first batter almost look identical. You're just as important. Why are you important? Because if T-Bone gets on base, we don't get any runs. But if you get on base, we know the guy that's batting 918 is going to knock you in and we only need one run to win the game. So is the issue about your position or are you a part of the family and want to try to win the game? Because if I'm going to be victorious, i got to understand my role. And if I can get on base like you, at some point, you're getting on base and me getting on base. Together, we're going to win. But I look like you. You were my brother, Joseph. You were my brother, but you're in a coat. But my coat today is going to be your coat tomorrow. And together, we're going to save a nation called Egypt from famine. But we have no long path mentality. When Joseph's got a robe now, and I don't. This is why the nation is divided. Because we cannot love each other enough that when you have favor today, it means I got favor tomorrow. I use the baseball terminology. Okay, I use the baseball terminology. What about from a ministerial standpoint? God's blessing that church over there. Good. When they're full, when they're full, don't think mega church. Do not think, I'll slap you. Don't think mega church. I do not. I don't think any church should be over 300 people. I almost think no church should be over 150. You want to know why? Because you can't disciple after that. Yeah. And I know Mega Church has a big staff, and thank you for their big staff, and I thank you for what they have done for the kingdom up to this point. But we're about to have an introduction of fathers. I thank you for those that have instructed the kingdom and have instructed salvation. But I'm talking about, I'm about to see fathers rise up in the earth that can put robes on kids, that can begin to tell kids that you don't have to have the hierarchy system. We're about to see the destruction of ministerial mindset and begin to raise like a family like never before. And what happens? See, what we would think from a mindset of a megachurch is I can't send them to Ravenna. They're only 10 minutes away. Do you know how many people are in Ravenna and how many people are in Streetsboro? We need more than two churches in Ravenna and Streetsboro. We need the kingdom of God to flood the earth. I need to be connected to a church that is just 10 minutes away from us. But if you're worried about hierarchy position, we can't have one 10 minutes from us. Tell you what, if we're kingdom, we should actually have a north gate in every city in Portage County. And then the churches that see Evan Northgate, they should not freak out because what are we doing? We're placing fathers. We may not even have a building anyway. We just might gather in houses. We're not trying to do it like you. We're trying to implement the structure of marriage, raising your children, hosting the presence of God, going after God with every fibrous venue, and then we'll go back to what denomination was supposed to be. We'll all gather together as one big family and watch the roof blow off. 
instead of us getting in there like Joseph's brother and go, the Loretta church is doing better than us and the Garrettsville church is doing better than us and that church over there is doing better. Look at the coat they got. If they got a coat, you're going to get one too. But how have we come into this hierarchy system in the ministry? Because we think the pinnacle of Christianity is somebody with a microphone in their hand. And if you ever get around somebody with a microphone in their hand, more than likely they're going to look at you and go, I really don't wish I had the microphone in my hand. Because you don't know the pressure that it comes on me, Tina, my children, and everybody else that's closest to me. She's got a microphone, but she lives in a glass house. Hold on. All you teenage girls, she has a microphone in her hand, but she's in a glass house. So guess what? I cannot teach her is the hierarchy system. You know what I got to teach her? You're beloved. You know what that means? You pull the blinds down. You can look at my glass house, but I'm not going to go off of your Ishmael words of who you think I am. And those blinds are privacy and intimacy and beloved identity. And we're pulling the blinds down in the glass house because I'm not teaching her to put on a show so that she can be the next hierarchy worship leader and go do Winterfest or go to a bigger church or go somewhere else. I want her to sing wherever God tells her to sing so that she can open up her heart and release a sound and we get flooded by love. So she never thinks she's got to hit the ball out of the park. What if the spirit didn't move? I'll tell you what, last week she sung the most prophetic song that we needed and it's come here, I'm waiting on you. And I watched religious people stand with their hands in their pocket act like they didn't need to run to Abba. I actually need to run to him every single day of my life. Every day of my life I need to get up and I need to run to him and go on the walk with him and be with him. Why? So I stay away from the hierarchy system that when God begins to bless somebody else, I won't get mad. So Joseph's brothers... Why does Joseph get a coat and I don't? Why do they have it going on? And you actually have it going on too. You're just more focused on the coat than the family. You've actually got, you're actually blessed too. <laughs> Joseph's brothers were blessed. And the favor they saw on Joseph was coming to them even when they tried to kill him, even when they lied on him, even when they betrayed him. See how awesome God's love is? But what's the answer to get rid of the hierarchy mentality that we're so focused on popularity? It's James 4. Go ahead and put it up. What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? Verse 2. You jealously want what others have So you begin to see yourself as better than them. Why does Joseph have a coat and I don't? Why does Joseph have a coat and I don't? Here's two things that's happening for us right here. One is we can end up being Joseph. Two, if you don't watch it, you become the brothers. One, you can be the prodigal son, the redeemed heir. Or one, you become his elder brother. The one answer is this. Why are you corning on the inside of you? When you look at somebody else who has a heartbeat and you look at somebody else who has a mind and you look at somebody else who has a family and you look at somebody else that is a human being and they're not perfect the same way you are not perfect, how can we not extend the same love and grace that Jesus extended us to everybody that we come in contact? How? We'll be jealous of something that somebody else has that we do not have. This is why we have to stay in thanksgiving every day for what we have. And if you are lacking something, 
something that you don't have, then go get it. We talking striving now? No. I'm talking it's your walk with God. If I lack something, it ain't Tina's fault. It ain't Brandon's fault. It ain't Mike's fault. It ain't Justin's fault. But in hierarchy, living of the world, we'll always find somebody to blame while we don't have something. And Jesus told us simply, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all of its righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. Man, how miserable of a life would we live being jealous? I'll tell you why. Because it's the indoctrination of Lucifer himself. He was jealous of what Abba had and he actually had everything that Abba had. He just couldn't wait for inheritance to come. Even in a dimension called timeless, he couldn't wait for the inheritance of the kingdom to come. So he kept saying, why can't I be like you? When in all actuality, God created an image that said, they're going to be just like me because Lucifer, I actually created you the same way too. But he was so focused on what he didn't have, he couldn't enjoy what he had. He was so focused on what he didn't have because he couldn't enjoy what he had. And nobody could produce a sound like you, Lucifer. And nobody could worship like you, Lucifer. And he still didn't think he was good enough. So the indoctrination of all mankind is you're not good enough. So the fight within me is why do I not have? Just wait a little bit. God's answer is on the way. Just wait a little bit. Hope for the unseen. It's not here today. But if you seek and find, it'll be here tomorrow. Because love never fails. It never gives up. And it never runs out. Your relationship with God, not stuff. Your relationship is with God, not stuff. Your relationship is with God. That's why when I start asking for stuff, he doesn't give me a strategy to get the stuff. I was waiting for it. I'm in prayer, brother. I'm prophetic. God, I'm here. I'm walking circles. I read the book Circle Maker. Like Jericho, God, I'm walking around this property. How are we going to get it, Jesus? I'm going to give it to you. Doesn't mean I still ain't got to go get it. Doesn't mean I still ain't got to go get it. But I got to quit looking for strategy and look for him. You jealously want what others have. So you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm for others to selflessly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. And all the time you don't obtain what you want. Because what? Because you won't ask for it. What is this? What is this? It's an altar, right? It's a place where you come and lay your frustrations down. It's a place where you meet God. You want, but you don't ask. You want, But you don't ask. You come up with strategy. You come up with all these things. And all he said is, if you want it, ask. 
If you want an ask, quit talking and running down the other person. Quit being regretful. Quit thinking if I tear them down that they'll love me more. God loves each and every one of us the same. He gave his son for all. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting, abundant, glorious life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. Do you know what condemnation is? Simply this, disapproval. So if you look at him and he makes you feel like he disapproves of you, he's not the one. If you look at her and she makes you feel like you're disapproval, she's not the one. If you're hanging out with them and they make you feel disapproval, if you have the thought and it makes you feel disapproved, if you keep doing the action over that's not new and you keep doing it again and again and you feel like God is displeased and God has no approval for me, it is not of God. It's of your own self-action to make some Something happened. I didn't come to condemn the world, but through me, the world would be saved. And if you don't feel safe and you feel condemned, which means disapproval, it means you're tapping into something that is not of you. So you know what God would tell you again in grace? Try again. Try again. Try again. Try again, because you can walk on water. Peter, he'll bless it. He'll give you your miracle. He'll let you know that you still have to be in so proximity with him that you will not drown, but you'll walk on water. You'll get a miracle, Peter. But what was the word, Peter? What was the word? The word was get in the boat and cross over with your brothers. Get in the boat and cross over with your family. So even in your miracle, he still wouldn't stop the storm. He would just make sure that you're taken care of. And if that's all you want is to be taken care of. But I'm not called to just be taken care of. I'm called to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, the first and not last. You are kingdom sons and daughters. You are not supposed to be junk. But you're buying into something that's condemnation. I believe everybody that's connected to Jesus is supposed to be the best. I believe everybody that's connected with Jesus is supposed to be the best. But the problem is we want to walk on water and not get in a boat. You know what I'm thankful for? The other 11 didn't see him walk on water and say, we wanted to walk on water too. You know what they wanted to do? Hey, Peter, while you're over there having fun walking on water, why don't you get him in the boat so we can get where we got to go? Because when they finally all got in the same boat, they went over to the other city that they were called to go to. They went there together, not independently scattered out doing whatever they wanted to do. They got in the boat together. They get over there. They encounter a demoniac in the Gadarene and they watch him get delivered with one encounter with Jesus, not a 12-step program, a one-step program face-to-face and he becomes the apostle over 10 cities. So their ability to stay in the boat with the people they were called to be in the boat with and follow the word of God that was on their life allowed them to have access to watch 10 cities get transformed. And we're still celebrating the fact that Peter walked on water. How about the fact that 10 cities got apostled by Jesus? By a man who was not qualified. But I need my miracle. No, you need to follow the word of God. Do you know obedience is better than miracles? Oh, I'll throw some. Half your miracles you may not need if you'd walk in obedience. Oh, I'm going to throw some. 
I'm going to turn my hat backwards on that one. Half of the miracles you wouldn't have to be crying out for, half of the miracles we were crying out for wouldn't even happen if we'd walk in obedience. And all the time, and the whole time, and the whole time you wanted something, all you had to do was pray. Pray. That's why they took prayer out of schools. You know why? Because it's dangerous. I know how to suffocate a generation. Don't let them talk to their creator. That's why the greatest thing me and this woman can do is teach our children how to pray. The greatest thing we can do is teach them how to pray at home, teach them how to pray in here. I'm in here today walking from one o'clock till y'all got here. And I'm going, all right, Lord, why am, I, why am I inviting so many people into this? Like, why did Apostle D start opening his private before he get to the worship team and different people coming in, sons coming in and praying union weekends. We leave him alone. We don't talk to him because he's studying. And he's, why, why did he do that? Because there's coming a point in all this confusion and darkness, people are going to have to have a place to pray. Not get their shout on, not get their worship on, not get their preach on. They're going to have to come into a place where they can encounter perfect peace. And at one moment in here for about two hours, there was about 15 of us and all we did was lay in the peace of God. And then when you came in here today, guess what you encountered? The peace of God. And so there's going to come a point that a generation is going to be looking for home and they're not going to look for some show and some smoke and some lights. They're going to look for an encounter of the presence and glory. Is God alive? Is he real? I need to see love. I need to encounter genuine, strong love. Genuine love. Not this bickering, not this dividing in the churches of America. Not just in the homes, not just in the schools, not just in political realm, not just in racism. Why are we so jealous over somebody else getting favored? When his favor and his love is for everyone. It's for everyone. And you'll find that out the more you talk to him. That's why it said right here in the scripture, just ask. And if you ask, you won't receive what you're asking for with a corrupt heart or corrupt motives. Seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. Verse four, you become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair with an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? That's why God's calling us into a new day. And in the dream, it was a new technology of being face-to-face with love. We'll begin to access your dreams and begin to access your hope. We have to stop looking at the world's values and understand at one point, even the world's values were written out of this book until what? The verse I just read became in the political realm, in the religious realm. It all came from self-gain. And love doesn't have self-gain. Love isn't puffed up. Love doesn't keep records of wrong. Love has this limitless boundary of kindness and patience and forgiveness no matter what. So even in the realms we were supposed to trust, the government, churches, they need to go back and read the book of James. You became about yourself. You became about yourself. 
We're not going to teach that here. How can I show great love and lay down my life for others? How can I show great love and lay down my life? Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend and makes himself God's enemy. Verse five. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into your heart is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more and more and more and more of you. The spirit of God was in this room during worship. And you know what he was after? Not a hierarchy, worship me, worship me, worship me. That's not, that's sick. The presence of love that we felt in this room was not, you better worship me. You better worship me. That's not how God rolls. Do you know what was happening in this room? What heaven is really made of. Love, loving love, loving love, loving love. And as we begin to love on him, love begin to flood your heart. And as you begin to love on him, love begin to fill your inner world of your belly. And as you begin to love on him, hope and love and peace begin to fill your mind. And as you begin to love on him, he begin to exchange love with love, with love, with love, with love. Because he desires to have more of you. And you know what we have to stop being doing as a church world? Being distracted by the things of this world. Because you know how you lose your children? Be distracted by the things of this world. He never wants to lose you. The Bible says that he wished that none perish. That's why we don't preach on hell here. Because the fear of hell, the fear of something is not going to change you. So I don't preach on it. We preach on his love because once you get a taste, I need more. And once I get a taste, I need more. And once I get a taste, I need more. That's why churches that have legalism and hierarchy, they can't preach about love because it's not love. It's man worship. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. But a place that it's about love, loving God and loving one another, even when we fail, even when we mess up, even when we screw up, love covers a multitude of sin. Love is the perfect way of life. But he continues to pour out more, more of his grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. Now do you see why the brothers of Joseph were the way they were? Because they were raised in a hierarchy system. Now do you understand when the prodigal son comes home after living his life making mistakes and the father wraps his arms around, the religious older brother says, well, I've been here the whole time. But is the view his actions or is that your family? Is the view the, the jacket or is that your family? Is the view the favor or the person? Do we continue to look at the favor on somebody's life rather than the person? Let's see the person. Let's see the person. Why do we need to see people rightly? Put Romans 8 up. I'm going to get to. I'm going to make it. <laughs> Looked right back at Lita. I sent her a meme of an African, an African church pastor over in, in Africa. Some woman must have got mouthy and he picked her up and choke slammed her right through some chairs. <laughs> She sent me a meme. You preach too long. And I said, I'm going to do this to you next time you're in church. 
you better make sure your hairdresser loves you when you send that kind of gif to her. Because the next time I sit in that chair, she might be like, thought you wanted to look like your dad, so I shaved it all up here and left it here. (laughs) Make sure you look like your father, son. (laughs) What's the world crying out for? The world is crying out for the entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of the glorious sons and daughters of God. The earth is looking for people that are walking in the same love that God walks in. The earth is actually looking. Listen, the earth is looking. And listen, get out of your mindset of the inbred mentality of this is just for Christians. Muslims, homosexuals, they're looking for love. They're looking for drug addicts, looking for love. Poverty, rich, poor, black, white, Hispanic, Asian are all looking for love. And we're trying to dominate with fear of my way is better than your way. No, love is the best way. Love is the best way. Well, brother, we don't agree. I promise you there are people in this room, you think we agree and we don't. I'm going to run. You think we agree, but we don't. We don't. But how can we sit in a room and sing and hug and do what we're doing in community? Because love is the foundation here, not what you believe. Oh, man. Churches are the most divorced culture of all. Because as soon as you don't believe the way I believe, you. I promise you, the church will become more healthier if we can really just love people for who they are. Jesus did. Let me say that to religion real loud. Jesus did. And so the entire universe is standing up waiting for love right now because we are jacked up in the earth. And what is the answer? Love. Not Brother, you're going to go to hell. That ain't, Westboro Baptist standing out in front of every abortion clinic, every LGBT situation screaming, turn and burn, turn and burn. And they're going, read between the lines, brother. Doing absolutely nothing. I think I just unhooked or something. I'm, I'm plugging up. Doing absolutely nothing. Hate and fear does not work. And even when you think you got it working, Hitler, love comes in for a fellow brother and changes all of it. Even when Hitler thought he was at his pinnacle, It was love from other nations for their fellow brother that ends world war. The answer to end the war within us, within our realm of society is love. I'm going to read this to you out of the Passion Translation, then I'm going to read this out of the Mirror Bible. For against its will, go to the next verse, for against its will, the universe itself had to endure the empty fealty resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now with eager expectation, all creation, all people long for freedom from its slavery to decay and to its experience with us, with what? With the wonderful freedom coming from God's children. The wonderful love that has come to us, we've got to give to the world. Verse 22, to this day, We are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in contractions 
of the labor of childbirth, verse 23. And it's not just creation. We have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly grown as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. Verse 24. For this is the hope of our salvation. But hope means that we must trust and wait. Wait for what? What is still unseen. We've been talking about this the whole time today. Dreams. Dreams. Why do we give up on dreams? Because we surrounded ourselves with people that do not love us enough to believe in us. And this is what the church was supposed to be the whole time. Christianity invading the culture was not so that everybody doesn't go to hell. I'll keep saying it. Why would God send us to a place that wasn't created for us? And we've made that the focus of Christianity. Rather than his salvation was supposed to be hope for us so that we could start believing in what we do not see. So that we could start believing in what we do not see. So we could start believing in what, how do I own this? How do we own this property? How do you begin to own companies? Listen to me, entrepreneurs, dreamers, you're supposed to be the first in everything. Why? Because love wins. Everybody's trumpeting in it. You're trying to fight a culture of people. They're screaming this verse, Romans 8. The whole universe is standing on tippy toes waiting for you to actually show them real love. And we're going, you're wrong, LGBT. You're wrong. And they're over here screaming, love wins. Love wins. And we're screaming back, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. And they're going, but love wins. Maybe you shut your mouth and open your arms. Because that's what it is. Isn't that what he did? He shut his mouth and opened his arms. You're not welcome here. You're welcome here. You're welcome in here. You're welcome in here. You're Muslim. You're not welcome. You're welcome in here. Because you're going to get to heaven. Those that lived by the rule. And you're going to look around and somebody like us is going to go, how the hell did they get in here? (laughs) And I believe the one that sits on the throne is going to go, because I loved them the same way I loved you. And I died for them the same way I died for you. But their actions, their actions, their actions. Listen, some fornication and sexuality, some of you gossip, cheat, and lie, and despise, and reject, and manipulate. Come on, what's worse? Whatever your religion tells you. I'm here to cut the head off of a giant, not called homosexuality. It's actually called religion. Because they're doing Romans 8 on their tiptoes going, love wins, love wins. And we're going, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. I don't mean to hit this like this. I don't usually preach like this. 
But if I can, because in evangelicalism, abortion and homosexuality is like the big no-nos, which, which is funny. We say those are the big no-nos, but every single one of us turned a blind eye to fornication of people living together out of wedlock. By God, brother, I'm not going to vote because of homosexuality. But we'll celebrate. They bought their first. They're not married. So welcome to religion. You start acting like Burger King. Have it your way. Doing whatever you want. No, that's how religion gets birthed. Either it's wrong according to the book or it's right according to the book or whatever. But whether it's wrong or right, Jesus said, I died for it all. So guess what your greatest message is? I love you. Because he died for it all. I love you. He died for it all. I love you. Maybe if we can start loving each other in this room correctly and doing life together correctly in this room and doing union in this room, then when we go outside of this room and make this room a big deal and make the people a big deal in this room, if we make a big deal out of each other in here, then it'll mess with them out there, which it does. You're a cult, cult, cult. Why? Because 60 of them show up to baseball games. That's all you got? At least say we pray in an unknown tongue. Yeah, at least quit saying they're taking over the city. We are, but not for our own selfish game. We start businesses and companies to show forth the love of God. We're trying to do things to show other people how to do it. I don't parade my marriage that's good because look at my marriage, look at my coat. I want you to see the people that actually we love each other. We're best friends. We enjoy life together. We understand that our hope of salvation helps us prepare for what we've not seen. And sometimes that's dreams and sometimes that's getting through the storm. I can't see how I'm going to get through this. But hope helps you realize how to get through this. Being connected to the right people show you how to get through this. Honor keeps you connected to those people that allows you to get through everything that you need to get through in life. Love is the answer. Love is the way. So because our hope, verse 25, I'm so almost done. I'm, you are wrong. I'm just going to say this from the pulpit. You are wrong. 14 minutes. I'm not giving an altar call. Ha ha. If somebody runs to the altar, I'm going to say, not today. Not today. Not today. So because our hope, watch, is set on what is yet to be seen, we patiently keep on, wait, watch. We don't give up. We wait. We patiently keep on waiting for its fulfillment. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes Hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. So yeah, we're going to say, pray in the spirit here. Pray in the spirit here. We're going to say, get in here and pray. Pray, pray, pray without ceasing. Pray some more. What are we going to teach a generation to do? 
Talk to God as if he's a friend, not a judge. Talk to God as if he's a dad, not a judge. Verse 27. God, the searcher of our heart, knows fully our longings. Yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. Verse 28. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan, bringing good into our lives. Stay away from the person that it's all about me, 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 me. God is connecting us together and not just us in this room. Kim is all the way here from Florida. Our lives are being interwoven for a reason. You know what that reason is? One is for us, but two, I know why this woman is here from Florida because her kids are here. It's about the next generation. It's always gonna be about our legacy. It's always gonna be about our kids. How do you know that? Because God sent his son to die because it's all about his kids. It's always been about the kids. It's always been about family. It's always been about legacy. It is not about the hierarchy systems of the world. I'm better than you. It's never about that. Our religion made it that. Why? Verse 29. For he knew all about us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning unseen before you were seen in your mother's womb you were unseen he destined your life and he calls for the guidance him and he places those around you to trust i i sent a text to many of you jonathan and david's relationship fit some of you keep trying to make relationships fit that aren't called to be the design and purpose of your future. And you need to learn how to say, I'll see you soon. Got to give some space. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and the sisters who will become just like him. Can I read this translation to you? Got nine minutes, sucker. Watch this, watch this. You listen, it's going to happen. Our lives now represent the one event every creation anticipates with, and they hold their breath, standing on their tiptoes as to witness the unveiling of the sons of God called. Can you hear the drum roll? Can you hear the anticipation? Every creature suffered abuse through Adam's fall and his mistake. They were discarded and pushed out of the garden creation did not volunteer to fall prey to the effect of somebody else's mistake yet within this stark setting even in this dark setting hope begins to prevail of a new day all creation knows that the glorious liberty of the sons of god sets the stage for their own release you set your own stage of your future. Mm. We sense 
global agony and pain recorded throughout history until this very moment right here that the sons of God find out that they are loved by God. We ourselves feel the grief to echo of their groaning within our own selves because we love them. And we are ready to embrace the original blueprint of all mankind, of our own physical stature, to walk in the full consequences of our sonship with God. What we already now practice in the beginning of first fruits of the new day, if you embrace the new day, you will see a full blossom of a harvest that I has not seen. This is this man's translation of Romans 8. Hope for the unseen. For what we already experienced confirms our own hope. What you've already experienced in the love of God should confirm your hope and continues to fool with great expectation for what is to come that you can't see yet that God will never fail you. In the final visible completeness of the harvest of time, hope will be fulfilled in its function through you. Romans 8.25, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. So in the meantime, your greatest strength is your expectation. It'll take you beyond visual, visual confirmation into a place of passionate and patient contentment that your God does not fail. What are you expecting God to do? The Spirit also sighs within us with words too deep for any kind of language to hear. So Holy Spirit assists us in our prayers. When we struggle to know how to pray properly, when we feel restricted in our flesh, when we feel like we're abandoned, God, through the supernatural move of the Spirit, He begins to lift us up through our clumsy efforts, and He becomes our strength, and the bullseye target gets hit every single time in your prayers. Romans 8, 27. He who scrutinizes in the heart understands the intention of the Spirit. Your intercession is consistent with the blueprints of God's plan for your life. Romans 8, 28, Damon's dream. You ready? Meanwhile, we know that the love of God causes everything to mutually contribute when you're in the love of God, you are going to contribute to what his body is doing. And you're going to contribute to the advantage of the kingdom for his master plan is about to be announced, but only in your original beloved identity. I'm going to make it. 2 Corinthians. Listen, as good as this is, you shouldn't be rushing me. Because some of you wake up in the morning and go, God, where's he at? I'm showing you. He ain't in your frustration, I'll tell you that. He's only found in relationship. He ain't in your hatred towards sin either. Because only love covers a multitude of sin. He's not found in our judgment. Because he's trying to get some people to dream. To, 
to grab a hold of something that you can't do on your own power. That's how God works. So this is how God speaks to his sons. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, we are like common clay jars that carry, we carry this glorious treasure within us so that this immeasurable power will be seen as God's and not yours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we are not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others. You don't have to do all that. You ain't got to do it like that. Why are you doing it like that? We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we are not going to be out. We continually share the death of Jesus Christ in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. That's it. That's it. That's it. What's the answer to all this? Quitting's not an option. You got a word? Get in the boat. There's a storm. I know. But there's also a God in the storm. And there's also a family in a boat. You can't walk on water forever. You can't walk on water forever. Peter, your assignment was not to walk on water. It was to go into cities. It was to love brothers. It was to hear the word of the Lord and obey. Obedience is better than miracles. And that will mess with every evangelical on the planet. Because we all strive for miracles when we should be turning our ear to a friend and listen for obedience. What's obedience? What did love tell you today? What did love tell you to make your world better? What did love tell you to make somebody else's world better? What did love tell you to do? So what do we do with people that's in sin? Show them what a love life looks like. What do we do with people in sin that could have an opportunity to go to hell? You know what I'd say to anybody that goes to hell? They never saw real love. They never saw real love. Why is the world so dark right now? An absence of one thing. Love. A love for God and a love for people. And so we could come up to an altar and we could pray, God, make me a better person. But that would almost go against the word of God. You want to know why? Because he already made you. It's hardships that have taken you off course. It's your unbelief that's taking you off course. It's your lack of hope that's taking you off course. It's your lack of showing up for the walk like Eve. He must have forsaken me. I ate the fruit. Adam, we screwed up. God goes, hey guys, I'm still here. I'm still here. You disobeying me will never make me stop loving you. But if you start listening to me, you'll start loving yourself the way I love you. If you start trusting me, what is the voice of God? It's the smallest voice that you have to drown out all the noise and listen. What does that voice sound like? What does love sound like? It goes against status quo every day. It makes Isaiah 62 new. 
a new day. The love of God's going to come in and say, you've got to change some things. Now, I can try to be that voice. It doesn't work. Sometimes, if I'm real close to you, I can give you counsel. But if I'm not real close to you, you don't love me. You love me. Watch. You love me. I would say everybody in this room loves me, right? I love you. We love each other, right? I'm sorry. This love's a little different. Watch. And this love's a little different. I love you. You love me, right? This love's a little bit different. And if you don't have this love, and you don't have this love, and you don't have this love, do you know what you can't do? Go search for these before you search for him. Because at one point in my life, I had this first before I had a love for him and understood his love for me. And this love wasn't as good as it is today. But hear me this. We're all called to see the unseen. We're all called to do things that people would say, you can't do that. You can't accomplish that. You can't make that happen. Yeah. Love's going, I know what I put in you. I know what I put in you. I put a quote by Apostle D on social media and I'm, I'm done here. The scary thing about maturity is it has a price. If maturity was easy, everybody would walk in it. This is what that price is. It's not striving. It's learning unconditional love. And it's learning to connect yourself to people that God made her, made her, made him, and God made you. And what will keep you disconnected? They hurt you. They lied about you. But this is why you need him. Because he comes in and fulfills. Watch. Family hurt. Friendships. Co-workers. Coaches. Bosses. These were all the 11 brothers of Joseph that couldn't believe and see him rightly. The devil's not stupid. See? I know her love for me. Now watch. Sometimes he'll disguise and put another daughter in your life that you think looks like her. But this is where you got to discern. Are they the same or are they not? And watch. And even if she wounded me, guess what I need to do? Love her. But how can I find out Who's real? That's the question of mankind, right? Who's real? Who's real? Not when I first meet you. Once we start doing life together, you see my imperfections. I see your imperfections. But can we answer this one question? Do you believe in me? If you find the love of God, you know where you find it? Once you've been doing life with somebody. Do you believe in me? 
Here's what I say to everybody in this room. I believe in you. Do you believe in me? Then let's change this city. Let's change the world. And let's do it with love. Starting in our homes. Starting in our friendships. Let's do the great commandment that he told us. Love God and love your fellow man. You know what I love about that scripture text? He said it two ways. He said, love them as you love yourself. And then the next time he said it, love them the way I love them. The only way you'll be able to love them the way he loves them is you're going to have to love an imperfected you first. How do you start learning how to love yourself? Love him and then let them love you. I don't know if I can let them love the real me. You're going to have to because all of creation is on its tiptoes and they're even screaming. Love wins. They're prophesying to us. Love wins. And our religion wants to make it sexual. And they're really saying, love wins. I have my own belief on this. But the strongest foundation I have for anybody, for anybody on the planet, God loves you. And when I was lost, confused, broken, addicted, angry, betrayed, rejected, it was his love day by day by day. Watch, that has healed me and is still healing me. So, Father, I pray that your love permeate every area of our hearts and leave us with peace, hope, joy, your righteousness. God, let us see ourselves the way you see us. And God, the people around us, let us see them the way you see them. Father, teach us how to love ourselves and one another correctly. And God, place a longing in our hearts to walk and talk with you because our family, our children, our city, our friends, all of creation is groaning. They're hurting on the inside, waiting for somebody to stand up with a love that's bigger than themselves. All of creation is groaning. Are they really who they say they are? Are they really who they say they are? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. 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 We know the love of God and we want to share the love of God with you. No matter who you are, no matter what you believe, I want to share the love of God with you. And God teach us how to love each other so close in this room like we are blood covenant family. That was your kingdom design. Let us let down our guards. Let us get in the boat. Let us dream together. And let us believe in one another. In Jesus' name, amen.
Go and dream with God. Now. Now. Tonight. Tomorrow. Dream of how you, in your own authentic way, can make the world a better place through the love of God. And be surrounded by this. Because this encourages you to make the world a better place. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Beat. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.